hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Twenty-seven hundred years ago, the Spirit of the Lord breathed upon a prophet named Isaiah and inspired him to write about the birth of a child who would grow up to change the course of human history forever. Behold, wrote the prophet, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end from this time forth and forevermore. Out of the town of Bethlehem, said the Lord to the prophet Micah, will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Roughly 700 years after Micah and Isaiah breathed their last, the focal point of the whispers of prophecies foretold over thousands of years suddenly arrived. The extraordinariness of heaven reached down and touched the ordinariness of earth as this promised ruler came, not welcomed by his own people as a celebrity or as a nobleman. Instead, this promised child lay wrapped in cloth inside of a simple manger, since there wasn't even enough room for him at the inn. All of the hopes of humanity and the very center of God's purposes were all wrapped up inside of this little baby boy laying inside of some animal's feeding trough. His birth went unnoticed by many of the people that he had come to save. However, it did get noticed by some others. On a night when the stars were quietly shining, as they always had over the little town of Bethlehem, a new star suddenly appeared. A burning beacon whose light was seen from a great distance by wise men in a far-off land. These spiritual men understood that this was no ordinary star, but that it was a sign from God that the promised king of the Jews had finally arrived. And the book of Matthew tells us that these wise men set out from the east, and they went to the city of Jerusalem. And many scholars believe that they probably didn't go alone, 
because wise men were of great status in those days. And so they most likely had many servants and horses and animals. And so they traveled with this great amount of people. And so they and all of the the men and the women that were with them went to Jerusalem because they assumed that since that city was the seat of government, that the new king would, of course, be there. After all, where else would a king of the Jews possibly be? They did not find the king that they were looking for in Jerusalem, but they did find another ruler of sorts. Herod the Great was the authority in the land, having been given the job of governing, uh, governing Judea on behalf of Caesar Augustus. Unfortunately, Herod was not very well liked by the people of Israel who sort of saw him as a puppet of Rome who was governing by force and not by the will of the people. And because of this, Herod spent a lot of his time being pretty paranoid. And he was always trying to do things to prove to everybody that he was this great leader of Israel. So you can imagine that it was a bit awkward when noble wise men from the east showed up with all of their servants and all of their entourage. And Herod comes out to give them a proper greeting and the very first thing that they ask Herod is, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Herod probably thought, I beg your pardon? You're looking at the king of the Jews. But the wise men began to speak and they began to share how they saw a great star burning in the sky that heralded this new king of the Jews and that they had come from their lands in the east to worship him. And this was troubling news for Herod. Because if a sign has appeared in the sky that was significant enough that it has brought these wise men from their distant lands to come all of this way, then perhaps there was something supernatural going on that was bigger than what the authority of Herod or even the authority of Rome could deal with. So Herod turns to the only people who might be able to tell him what all of this king of the Jews business might be about. He gathers together all of the chief priests and the religious leaders and he asks them if they know anything about a promised king of the Jews. And I imagine he was pretty horrified when they told him that, yes, actually, the ancient Jewish prophets did indeed write of a promised king and that he would be born in the town of Bethlehem. Now, perhaps at that point, Herod had a good long think about what he should do. Obviously, a small baby king whose birth was announced by a sign in the heavens could one day grow up to be a full-size king who could be a bit of a threat to Herod's rule over the land of Israel. Yes, something had to be done. But what? How would Herod go about dealing with this big little problem in Bethlehem? And more importantly, how would he find this baby king without drawing more attention to him or drawing suspicion upon himself? Ah, but then Herod came up with a clever plan. He goes back to the wise men in secret, away from the prying eyes and ears of the religious leaders of the Jews, and he figures out from the wise men when this star first appeared in the sky. And then the book of Matthew tells us he says this cunning line to them. Go and search diligently for the child. 
And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I too may come and worship him. This is pretty devious, since Herod has exactly zero intentions of coming to worship a baby in Bethlehem that a few religious zealots are saying is a king. But he sends the wise men to find this baby, and it's, and it's to come back and let him know where this baby is, supposedly so that he can go and worship himself. But actually, Herod's plan all along is to kill this baby before anyone else gets any ideas about him being a king. This baby in Bethlehem was a threat, and Herod was convinced that the only way to deal with this threat was to stamp it out. You know, this story is very interesting because it highlights to us several different ways that people tend to respond when God starts to do something new. The first response is to treat it as a threat that must be eliminated, and this is what Herod does. The second response is to shrug your shoulders and do nothing. And this is the response, sadly, of the religious leaders of this story. Because they hear this report that the Messiah that they've been waiting for has been born, and they know that the ancient texts say that if that's true, he'll be found in Bethlehem. And yet they don't go out to Bethlehem to see if this report is true. I mean, think about this. The promised Christ, the Messiah, that Israel has been waiting for literally for generations is less than a day's walk from them and they don't even bother going out to see if he's there. They do nothing. But the last response is to do what the wise men did. When they could see that God was doing something new, they went to Bethlehem to see this Christ, the newborn king. And it is that response, the response of coming to see, that is the focus of our talk tonight as we finish out this series called Glory in the Highest. And as we go on that journey of coming to Bethlehem alongside of the wise men, my hope for us tonight is that you will see that the only fitting response to the Christmas story is to come to Bethlehem to see that little baby and to bend your knee and adore him. So if you've got your Bible with you this evening, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. So the first step of coming to see is to first come. And that is what the wise men did. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. 
For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him, that sneaky Herod. After listening to the king, they went on their way. So the wise men left Herod's palace, and they headed out of the city of Jerusalem and made their way towards Bethlehem. And then something truly amazing happened. It says in verse 9, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, I don't know at what point this happened, but I imagine the wise men with all their servants and horses left behind the walls of Jerusalem and walked towards Bethlehem in the cool of the night, when all of a sudden, there in the sky in front of them was the burning glow of the same exact star that they had seen from a great distance in the lands in the east. And it says when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly, as in they probably shouted. They probably let out a few woohoos. They probably, you know, yelled and were laughed at the pure absurdity of this burning star appearing in the sky before them, just as any of us would if that happened to us. And, you know, when I've read this story in the past, I've always pictured this star as sort of this you know, this bright star shining way high up in the sky over the town of Bethlehem. But the amazing thing about this passage that I think I've realized for the first time this week is that this star went before them and came to rest over the place where the child was, meaning this star moved. It led them on their way to the exact spot that they needed to go. And that burning star in the sky leading the wise men to the Christ reminds me of the other stories of old, the ones that are found across the pages of Exodus, where the Israelites were led through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And just as God had once used a burning pillar of fire to lead his people through the darkness in order to reach the promised land, So now the wise men were being led through the night by the fire of God in order to reach the promised child. Once we decide to come and see what God is doing, he doesn't just leave us to figure out the journey all on our own. He actually comes with us and shows us where to go each step of the way. If we are going to come to Bethlehem and see that little baby and bend our knees and adore him, then the first thing that we must do is come. And that is what the wise men did. The next part of coming to see is to actually see. So the wise men are led through the night to the place where Mary and Joseph are in, and, and Jesus are staying in Bethlehem. 
And the Bible doesn't give us too many details here, but I can imagine Mary and Joseph inside and they're looking after Jesus and perhaps they start to hear some peculiar sounds coming from the other side of the front door. You know, it's the sound of many feet walking on the ground, of hushed voices. And was that the sound of a horse? Then perhaps came a knock at the door. And I imagine Joseph getting up to open it and being probably a little surprised when he opened it to find a large number of people and horses outside that were part of a dignified procession of men who were bearing gifts, all looking back at him. Perhaps the wise men stepped forward at this point and spoke of how they had followed a star all the way from their lands in the east and then gesturing up to the glow above them, saying that now we've come to this place to worship him who has been born king of the Jews. And I mean, what parent wouldn't be proud to have dignitaries and noblemen from a far off land interested in meeting their child? So the wise men were welcomed in and then they had the opportunity and the privilege to lay their eyes upon the baby boy that they had traveled over many hills and valleys to come and see. Have you guys ever noticed how people act when they meet a newborn baby for the first time? Most people don't jump up and down, they don't yell, don't make a lot of noise. In fact, when most people meet a newborn baby, they actually get quite hushed. And many people actually cry. And it's almost as if each of us in those moments instinctively feels something of the sacredness of new life. You know, I was talking to my dad on the phone this week and uh, given the fact that my wife Sarah and I are expecting a newborn ourselves very, very, very soon. Uh, uh, we got on the subject of talking about what my dad's experience was like when my twin sister and I were born. And um, we were born quite premature. Uh, and so because of that, we, we only weighed about two kgs each. And so my dad described to me how my sister and I had to stay in the hospital for for some weeks in the incubator so that we could finish, you know, developing all of the things that we needed to develop. And because we were so small and we had you know, a lot of tubes and stuff connected to us, my parents weren't actually allowed to pick us up and hold us. But on the, the side of the incubator, they, there was this spot where you could put gloves on and you could reach inside. And you know, my dad, his, um, he got quite quiet and his voice shook a little bit as he described to me that he would reach inside the incubator and that we would reach out with our tiny little hands and just grab a hold of the end of his finger and just hold it. There's something deeply sacred and holy about babies. And I imagine the wise men would have fallen silent 
as they walked in and saw that little baby in Mary's arms. Perhaps they also would have reached out their hands and felt the wonder that we all feel when tiny fingers grab a hold of one of ours. And also in that moment, as they looked upon the face of Jesus, perhaps they felt something inside of them, telling them that the God who once seemed so very far away had now come close, and that this little Emmanuel would go to show the whole world what it meant that God was now with us. Would you guys stand with me? You know, as we, as we come to Bethlehem through this story and we see that little baby, the question is, what is our response? Let's look at what the wise men did. It says in verse 11, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. As we come to Christmas this year, I believe that the most fitting response for us to do is what the wise men did when they looked upon the Christ laying in Mary's arms. They bent their knees and they adored him. You might be asking, well, what does it mean to adore him? Well, it can look like a few different ways. You can see the wise men fall down and they worship Jesus, but they also didn't stop there. It says that they opened their treasures to him and they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I think that these three gifts actually give us a bit of a picture of three ways that we also can come and adore. You see, gold speaks of our resources, our time, our energy, our money. The frankincense speaks of our worship and the prayers that we pray. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about how worship is like a sweet-smelling incense that goes up before the Lord, is pleasing to Him. And finally, the myrrh. Myrrh was an expensive burial spice in the time of Jesus. And so myrrh actually speaks of dying to self and offering ourselves as a living sacrifice before the Lord. And so tonight, we're gonna go into this last song of our last evening of 2020. And perhaps you also want to bend your knee as the wise men did and adore Jesus. Maybe you wanna come with your gold and you wanna consider in this time how you might use the resources that God has given you to serve and advance his kingdom in this coming year. Or perhaps you want to set the eyes of your heart on Jesus who came as the little Emmanuel.
and sing out about what he means to you. Or maybe you've got an area of your life that you're realizing isn't surrendered over to God. And tonight you're wanting to offer the myrrh of laying down that thing to God and asking him to take it from you. So just take a moment, right where you are, close your eyes, and let's just consider how we want to respond. Maybe you want to bring your gold. Maybe you want to bring incense. Maybe you need to lay something down. You want to bring that myrrh before the Lord. listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.